Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. My name's Ben. And I'm Hector. How are you doing, Hector? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, and actually, uh, my heart's been warmed a little bit because um, you got this lovely message, didn't you? I did. Uh, it's, a, it's a little lengthy, so I'm just going to read the beginning of it. Yeah, cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I got this the other day and I sent it to you and uh, it just, you know, just all the feels, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it says, hey there, Hector. So I'm a big fan of the 561 podcast and I've reached out to a lot of folks to say hi and it occurred to me that I've never reached out to you guys. So thank you for everything you do and I give you lots of props. I work in reggae music and so... The podcast really helps me get to know the bands that I never get a chance to go out and see. And that's one of your big points on the show. I was watching today, and I actually got a little bit depressed about it for a while. And hearing you guys say the same thing made me feel so much more appreciative for everything you guys are doing. So it goes on and on and on, et cetera. It says all how amazing I am and how you're just nothing, (laughs) and I'm just the the star of the show. How muscular and attractive you are. 100%. 100%. (laughs) But, but yeah, this is uh, Jill that reached out to us. And, uh, you know, Jill, if you're listening, uh, we appreciate it. We really do appreciate you reaching out. It's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks, Jill. And um, if anyone's out there and they, and they want to get in touch with us, um, you know, send us a message. We'll read it on the air. And uh, and it's it, it's great to be getting feedback like that because um, we've been doing it for a little bit of time now. You know, about um, nine months or so, and um, and it's just nice to know that there's people out there who are appreciating it. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's no, not just us no, and no. our mums that are listening to it, right? <laughs> like we thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn it. <laughs> so what's the other big news then? Uh, the other big news is that uh, we have locked down every single band for the 561 Music Festival. Yeah. So I am very excited about that. We're going to start working on the schedule. Uh, we're we're going to make – I'm working on the website now, so we're going to make the big announcement coming up very, very soon and uh, start selling tickets, man. Yeah, we totally. We can get some butts and seats. I know. I couldn't believe it. it ev- everyone we wanted to play it, everyone we asked, um, said yes, with bar one person who just couldn't make it because they were busy. But it's just amazing, like, the yeah. amount of support we had with that. And ev- everyone's just super excited about it. They're like, hell yeah, we'll do it and everything. And it's it's been so far – fun to organize i imagine it's going to get kind of a little oh, bit I'm sure more there'll stressful be a, there'll, be a, there'll be some little stressful moments there i'm sure but uh yeah man and so far so far it's been pretty awesome and everybody like you said everybody's been so supportive that yeah. uh, it's just it's pretty awesome that uh it's just that it's being as well received as it is. Yeah, so. exactly. And we're going to keep the the lineup a little bit under wraps just for now. But you know, we're going to be letting everybody know real soon. And uh, yeah, it's April second, so make sure you save the date. Um, it's going to be a whole day on yep. April second at Matthew's Brewing. We were going to do it April first, but we didn't want anybody to think that it was an April Fool's joke and that it wasn't <laughs> happening. So it's April second, and it will happen. It's yeah, going to happen. <laughs> so we uh, had a, a situation where a. Uh, a band couldn't make it, and then I was wondering what we could do, and and I reached out to the the world at, at, on social media, and I was like, um, you know, does anyone want to come and be on the podcast? And someone who actually we had been talking about before, and um, and we were going to ask anyway, reached out. Ruby Tesla, um, the uh, burlesque performer, and uh, said that she would come and do it. So how's it going, Ruby? How's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, and um. I didn't realize until you came in today that you uh, actually have you hosted a podcast at one point. I did, yeah. I co-hosted a podcast called Slings, Flings, and Dinglings. <laughs> yeah. um, so if you know if my oversharing about my personal life is not enough for you and you want more, that's the place to go. <laughs> that's great. It's a very adult podcast, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> 
And on the on the subject of that, um, you know, we're we're talking about sort of burlesque and 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 that world. So um, if you if you're incredibly modest of a person, maybe maybe this isn't your episode. All right, I'll, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so nice to have you here. And um, you know, I've been sort of. F- following you um, on social media and stuff like that for years so it's really nice to meet you yeah it's, it's awesome. really nice to meet you too i yeah. think we've been facebook friends for a long time yeah yeah absolutely we know a ton of the same people i know yeah. i was listening back to your episode last week and you kept mentioning names and places that i know and like i've been and i've performed in and i'm like i'm like literally one degree of separation from all of these people yeah. like why aren't we already <laughs> friends exactly yeah <laughs> so it works out it's, it's perfect um and really there's a lot of similarities with, between um, music and, and burlesque in the sense that um, it's entertainment and we have to deal with the same issues and, you know, we have the same creative challenges, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it makes total sense that you would come on here and talk to us. And um, the first question that I've got is um, when and how did you decide to become a burlesque dancer? So, I mean, when I was a kid, it was... You don't really know about, like, stripping when you're a kid. At least you shouldn't, hopefully. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but there was something, you know, the first time I ever remember seeing a stripper in a movie was Vivica Fox in Independence Day. Okay. And there's, like, a little short scene, a little snippet of her dancing on stage. And it's really more like burlesque than club stripping in the, in the movie. She's got this, like, red vinyl shiny outfit on, and she's, like, dancing on the floor and being all sexy. And my, like six or seven year old brain was like I don't know what that is but I want to do that (laughs) and then you know Moulin Rouge and I got into Rocky Horror Picture Show and um, I think I learned who Dita Von Teese was because of her being in Marilyn Manson videos and stuff but I think I actually became aware of burlesque more like kind of in my like late teens early 20s okay I think I went to my first Exotica convention, which is the adult film convention in Miami every year. Right. Um, when I was 18. Okay. I actually turned 18 the first year that they did it. So it was perfect time for me to go check it out. Yeah. Absolutely. And I saw Rubber Doll perform, who right. is an incredible fetish burlesque performer. Okay. And I would say that was kind of like the, the, the kind of moment, the magic moment for me. That's where I, I saw that and I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then that's over time, awesome. I kind of became, became aware of a local scene that I didn't know existed and met people and got introduced and then, you know, the rest is history or whatever. That's great. <laughs> so is there a lot of burlesque in Florida? So much. Right. Florida okay. has one of the best local burlesque scenes in the entire country. Wow, Which cool. surprises wow. people because yeah, they think it must be New York, that. it must be New Orleans, it must be L.A. New York, New, York, New York and New Orleans have great scenes. I've performed both of those places. Florida has... Florida really keeps up with them and yeah. maybe even surpasses them in some ways. Not that it's a competition. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, when it comes to music and burlesque, uh, do you ever... How important is music to burlesque? Like, is it is it an integral part of the show? It absolutely is. Music right. is very important to burlesque. I would say, you know, not it's not any specific type of music either, because you know, right. a classic show is going to have like the big band classics. It's going to have the slinky drums and horns and everything. But we've done hip hop shows. We've done neo burlesque shows that are all like modern music. We've done. Yeah. 
Um, I've been in multiple Tom Waits burlesque shows that are all Tom Waits music. See, that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, the very first burlesque act I ever did was to a Tom Waits song. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's really across the board. But I think that the music, you have to feel where the movement is coming from. And it has to come from those beats in your song. Sure. And whether that's you know, a classic jazz song or whether it's a hip hop song or whatever, it's definitely important. So when you're when you're putting these shows together though and you're um and you're pulling some of this music, um, is it I don't know, like I, I guess stock uh stock um audio per se or like or royalty you, free stuff? Well or? no not even royalty free. Like are you are you like okay, like the Tom Waits or whatever. I mm-hmm. mean clearly you're using whatever Tom Waits track you were you were dancing to, but um like in, in uh, we were talking earlier about your theme shows and you were mm-hmm. talking about how you had, you know, Harry Potter and Star Wars and, and the Tolkien show and stuff. Um and in those shows, you know, you, you pull a little bit from, you know, the orchestral stuff from mm-hmm. the from the movies and things. Um do you pull just just as is like in the can or do you do you have anybody that that goes in and like kind of remixes it a little bit for you and does does anything anything that makes it unique and different from the original? Yeah, most of our tracks are custom mixed. Most right. of us mix our music ourselves. I mix my music myself. Cool. Some That's people awesome. hire people to mix their music, which no shade on that either. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um usually I, I would say the average burlesque act is is probably two songs with a transition. And the transition can be as simple as just a fade out, fade in, um, just find two songs that fit together, mostly because most burlesque songs are like not long enough for a full burlesque act. Right. Um, But some go the extra mile and do custom mixes with like lines of dialogue mixed in or, you know, five different songs mashed together at different moments. Like I booked um, for my holiday show a few years ago, I booked uh, uh, Barbarella Brown, who's one of my favorite performers from Orlando. She did a Kwanzaa act. Right. And she went over the um, the seven. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. The the principles of Kwanzaa, or oh, the right. the it's not it's, the word's not principles. Oh, my boyfriend and I just did a Kwanzaa thing too. He's gonna he's gonna make fun of me for this. But well, <laughs> you're in trouble now. <laughs> um, but she did a different snippet of a song for each one of those principles, and a little and, bit of her own voice recorded in the middle explaining what each one was. All right, see, that's really cool. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. It was great. Yeah. It was like, it sold the show completely. You got it. I just checked. Is the principles. Ah, yes, principles. I got yeah. it. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, to, just sticking with music a little bit, um, have you, I, I know like uh, over the course of, you know, playing in punk bands and things, every now and again, I'll, I'll be on a mixed bill where there's some burlesque as well. Have you ever done any of those? Oh yeah, lots of times. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we get uh, kind of booked to go on in between bands. Sometimes we actually perform to live music, which right. is my favorite. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I That's love really performing. Cool. Yeah, especially if you are performing with musicians who can kind of just like vibe with you sure. and kind of follow what you're doing. Oh, I did this really cool show in New Orleans that was, it wasn't actually live music, but it was a DJ. Right. And uh, it was actually like an improv show. So I didn't know what song I was going to dance to until I got on stage. Usually we have choreography and it's all very specific, yeah. but yeah. it was just bring a costume and spin the wheel and that's what you're dancing to. <laughs> but it was cool because it wasn't specific songs on the wheel. It was genres. Right. So you spin the wheel and it, it'll say like hip hop or movie scores or like horror themes or you know weird stuff yeah and uh you spin the wheel and the dj would kind of mix a custom track that would like switch up every once in a while and it was and it she would really kind of follow along with what the dancers were doing to just kind of make a vibe it was really awesome yeah it sounds it actually it's very creative it's like i love the the whole world of it. it's really interesting to me mm-hmm. um 
do you when it comes down like what kind of bands do you find that you what what's in terms of like genres of music is there a genre of music that you find um the, the more mixed bills with like in my head it's kind of like kind of rockabilly and stuff like that is that is that the like what what kind of bands do you find yourself with more, most often i would say Burlesque in general, rockabilly is probably accurate. Yeah. For me personally, I get booked more often for like fetish stuff and like right. goth parties. Right. So I'll get on the bill with like Obsidian. Last The last band I was on the bill with was Obsidian, I think, okay. at Respects. Right. Um, and a lot of kind of industrial, gothic, metal, yeah. stuff like that. Sure. Um, but, you know, more often it's probably rockabilly or jazz. You know, jazz bands oh, will, course, yeah. will have. But that's more if they're playing our music. Yeah. For the show. So when it comes to um, like genres of burlesque, I was I did a, 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 some research earlier and, I, and, and I, I found out that there's actually a whole slew of different genres. Could you tell us a little bit about about the different genres of burlesque? You know what? Why don't we do? Could you tell us a little bit about the history of burlesque? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm no historian, but I can right. give you the kind of um, the the easy version. Yeah. So burlesque started really in the turn of the century, 1900s, a little bit in the 18 um, 1880s, 1890s, but mostly 1900 turn of the century. It was part of a vaudeville show. The right. vaudeville show would be a variety show with comedy, with music, um, with all different kinds of variety performances, and there would always be a stripper. There'd always be, and they called them strippers. They didn't call them burlesque performers. They called sure. them strippers back yeah. in the day. And uh, then the strippers quickly became the most popular part of the show, yeah. <laughs> and had their own shows, and they were burlesque shows. And people have this vision of like the glamorous, classy refined burlesque performer from the 40s and 50s but they were raunchy sure these girls they were strippers they were they they their strip clubs didn't exist back then right so what they were doing was as much as they could legally get away with they only wore pasties because they weren't allowed to show their nipples right they weren't modest they i mean some were some had the style of being more modest like um but like some of the famous names but um you know they were they were nasty raunchy dancers. Right, you yeah. you can watch videos from the fifties and forties of like really really like like nasty strip club moves, and <laughs> right. I say that very affectionately. Yeah, I love yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of uh, once once strip clubs became a thing, like in the eighties and nineties, it kind of um, turned into that. Like burlesque evolved into strip clubs. Okay. And then what we call burlesque now is really kind of a revival, a tribute to the aesthetics of the forties and fifties. Right. That yeah. kind of came about in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that right. So it's nineties was the revival. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I do. I do feel like. You know, when I think of a strip club versus a burlesque show, that there is a distinct difference in my head, anyways. I mean, I don't know if that's correct or not, but I mean, and it's not—it's not to say you know any one is better than the mm-hmm. other, whatever. But there's a distinct like one is—it's not that it's raunchy or nasty, but like one is literally just like stripping down and you know whatever, and the other one is more like you saying like more of a sophisticated show and um, it has more more props and things involved, if you will. You know, more more theatrics, more theatrics. I guess is I the would word. say more theatrics. I mean the. If you want to talk about the difference between burlesque and stripping, like the differences are largely arbitrary to me. We're yeah. all taking our clothes off for money. Sure. We're all trying to turn you on in the audience. Yeah. Some burlesque acts are more about doing something really fucking weird, which I love. But um, I think you have more freedom to get weird in burlesque than you do in the strip club. Well, I was I was thinking about it and I was reading about it. And, and one of the 
kind of um, things that I, I read was that, you, that there's this concept of, you know, the realistic denial of sex, essentially, mm-hmm. the, the ritualistic denial of sex and, and the power that that has and, and playing with that, you know, mm-hmm. the, just the, the, the kind of playing around with that line. And I suppose a question that I have regarding that is do you have a line with that and what 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 is it like what do you where do you draw the line when it comes to nudity things you'll do things you won't do stuff like that that's an interesting question because before i did burlesque i webcammed for years right when i was in like my early 20s in college and this was before i ever even really knew what burlesque was yeah so and i only did solo stuff and not to like get too graphic about what i did on there but you know it was very adult yeah um so Going into burlesque was relatively tame for me. Right. For, so when people ask, like, um, oh, how do you get naked on stage or, you know, mostly naked? And I'm just like, that's like one of the most tame things I've ever done in my life. Sunday right, afternoon. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yeah. at this point, I mean, I don't strip in strip clubs, but only because I don't like talking to strangers. <laughs> okay, right. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, and because, you know, I my style is very theatrical. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think modesty really has anything to do with it. It's more just what I think I'm good at. Okay. And I think my skill set is better suited to burlesque than it is to club stripping or to any kind of other adult entertainment. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, like, like Ben, um, you and I have been Facebook friends for a really long time mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, and, you know, and this is the first time we've actually met face to face, but, you know, one of the things that I, that I've noticed that I've always admired being an artist myself is that, you know, you're always posting things like, you know, check out this costume I made or this prop I made or whatever. And like, you make your own stuff. And I, I love that about it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. She, she makes like these crazy, like, and just really cool costumes and stuff, Thank you know, you. from scratch. And it's like. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you did you just figure out how, how to do that yourself? Like, yeah. How did that all come She's about? crafty like <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> when I first started sewing, I was really cosplaying before I did burlesque. And I think the first time I made a pair of pants, I just looked at a pair of pants that I already had that fit me really well and kind of figured out how it all fit together and literally read the instructions on my sewing machine and just did it. Cool. <laughs> and um, since then, I have learned a lot from YouTube, you know, YouTube yeah. University. Yeah, sure. for real. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends, I, I'll ask for help. Like, I have friends who are very, very, very advanced at sewing. And, right. like, a, like especially Aurora Natrix is somebody who I've asked for help when I was learning to make corsets. Because um, she's been making corsets for, like, a long time. And anytime I get stuck making a corset, I'll text her and be like, hey, what do I do? Yeah. But, yeah, it's all self-taught. And that's also the reason why I don't take costume commissions. Because if you look up close, they are sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. You only have to – they only have to look good from, like, five, ten feet away. Sure. Or the back of the house. They don't have to – nobody has to see the inside of it except well, me. I've, I've, yeah, I've yeah. like, just always admired, you know, the the costumes when you're posting. And we're, like, I, I have kids and we've gone to, like, um, drag. Con and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and so we've cosplayed and things. Oh, and, cool! And we and we make our own stuff, and so you know, I I know what the struggle is when you're <laughs> trying to make a costume. And like you said, you know, you stand back, you go, "Man, that looks really good," and then you get up close and go, "I can see those glue lines." Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, you know what? If it looks like shit, just throw some rhinestones on it. That's the rule. Yeah, that works for you. I don't think that works for me. I feel like that's, a, I feel like that's just a good rule for life. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah. going to wear rhinestones to the next Kill Billy show. You should. <laughs> I, I, am, I am pro rhinestones. Pro rhinestones. Do you, know what, do you know what a pearly king and queen are? Do you know what they I are? I don't. Okay, so in, um, the, in uh, it, London, in, in uh, like the area of East London, which uh, 
cockneys are from, which is basically within earshot of um, uh, the Bow Bells, which is a bell. It's a church. It's a, a bell. If you can hear this bell, then you're then you're a cockney. That's what it used to be anyway. Mm-hmm. They they had the pearly king and queen. And they were just covered from head to foot in rhinestones. Like rhinestone completely covered hat. Just like no space. Literally just glittering humans. <laughs> it's almost like they were the East End mascots. I, I love that. Yeah, I don't know a huge amount of the history. of You should check them out. It's crazy. I reckon you'd be into it. I'll definitely Google that after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've had a lot of different themes and things. We were talking a little bit about it before we started recording. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about some of the shows that you've done in the past? Yeah, so I perform really, you were talking about genres of burlesque earlier too. Yeah. I really perform and produce shows in a wide variety of genres. Yeah, is so, one of them called Nerdlesque? Nerdlesque is <laughs> kind of what my productions have become known for. Yeah, um, I do a lot of classic as well, but yeah, Nerdlesque for the uninformed, for the uninitiated, is exactly what it sounds like. It's cosplay burlesque. It's burlesque yeah. acting out characters, usually from nerdy fandoms. Um, we do our Lord of the Rings show called Tolkien It Off that I started with Kiss of On Adams like seven or eight years ago. Right. Um, we do our we R.I.P. Game of Thrones, but um, Jenna Beth used to produce a Game of Thrones show called A Song of Vice and Desire. Right. That was great. <laughs> um, I've produced a video game themed show called The Player One Peep Show. Um, we've done uh, one of my probably my most popular show is Burton Lesk, which is Tim Burton movies. Oh, cool. and, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are really fun. Um, yeah. But I also do classic burlesque, which is also exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. It's what you think of when you think of the word burlesque. Most likely, it's the corsets and, and like prohibition era style music. Stuff yeah, like right. sometimes it's twenties, sometimes right. it's forties, fifties, sixties. Okay. Yeah, anything that's just kind of a vintage a- aesthetic, vintage music is is yeah. kind of classic burlesque. So how far and wide have you gotten and like in terms of like touring and getting out of Florida or just getting out of town in general, what's what's your schedule been like and what's it like these days? Yeah, so these days it's slower because of COVID, but pre-COVID I was bouncing all around Florida every month. Um, I used to perform very frequently in Tampa, Orlando, Miami, Key West, Jacksonville, all over the place. Um, Are there places that are just burlesque clubs? There are, not that I'm aware of in Florida. Right. There are in New York and there are in New Orleans. Right. Those places have the tourist traffic to sustain a show every night of the week. Yeah, sure. Um, We don't really have that here. That's also why I travel so much throughout Florida is that, you know, if I want to perform, you know, 10, 12 shows a month, I need to do it in different cities because it's still niche. You know, we still don't have quite the audiences in one city to sustain that many shows. Yeah. Um, But beyond that, you know, I used to perform in New York a lot. I haven't performed there in a few years now just again because of covid but uh, i performed in new orleans i've actually performed in alaska wow cool <laughs> yeah i can see that it would be a thing where you know you do get asked to do quite interesting and strange things from time to time you know yeah. like like um every now and again with music you, you, someone will be like you know Come and play on one of these Virgin Islands, you know, for some someone's wedding or something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I I bet every now and again you'll, you'll get a weird booking like that. Did have you? Where's the weirdest place you've ever been? I mean, you already said Alaska, so that's, that's pretty. <laughs> yeah, okay. Alaska. I was just up there working, and I convinced a bar to put on a show for, oh, okay. or to let me put on a show, essentially. So that wasn't like I got flown to Alaska to perform or anything. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but uh, man, the weirdest place. Uh, well. It's not really a weird venue. It's just a bar with a stage. But there's a venue in Valdosta, Georgia, right. that 
is great for burlesque shows. Huh. And it's one of those places, and I don't want to like talk down on Valdosta because they come out for us. They really show up for us. But it's all it's a town where I get the sense that like not a whole lot of exciting stuff goes on there. Yeah. And I love performing in towns like that because everyone shows up. Exactly. And they're so excited. Yeah. And exactly. it's just great. We, we, we did. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say we did. Uh, I was telling you earlier about the Nirvana tribute, and mm-hmm. we did. Uh, we did a show in Valdosta. Actually, we did two. Was shows it at the Ashley yeah. Street Station? It was at the uh-huh. Ashley Station. Uh, cool. We did two shows there, um, and uh, yeah, same same thing. Like it, it's it feels like a sleepy little town, and yeah. then you put the show on, and it feels like the entire town shows up for yeah. this. It's, yeah. it's like how do this many people live here? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> With Killbillies, we did this show in Whitehall, New York, which is where uh, Mike is from. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, the entire town was in that bar. I, was, I, I don't think it. there was a single I person. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all came out, and that's what it used to be like um, when I'd be on tour. With Sonic Boom 6 and we play in Eastern Europe because you play some of these towns that, you know, the only bands that ever came through there were the bands that my agent was sending there. You yeah. Know? yeah. And so that everyone, everyone had come out. It's cool. You know, <laughs> you feel like a celebrity. For oh, me. yeah. No, of course. That's yeah. fun. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's good for the ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or bad, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> so are, yeah. are you finding, and, and I guess this is pre or and or post-COVID, um, are you finding that most of your, your bookings are now like just like private events and things? Or are you still putting on a lot of your own shows? I'm putting on my own shows. Um, I I haven't been booked for that many private events. Okay. I right. know a, a few of my friends are, are doing a lot of private events. You kind of have to hustle for those, and I honestly haven't really been hustling I since COVID. Hustling. <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. waiting for um, – I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm, I'm kind of getting back into the groove. For the lottery. Things. We're all waiting for the lottery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, when it was really bad, did you do anything um, live stream related? Yes. Yeah. I did a few live stream shows. I think I, I remember that, actually. Yeah. I, I performed in a few live stream shows other people produced i also produced my own online show that i'm extremely proud of it oh, was cool. um it was a halloween horror nights themed show because oh, wow. halloween horror nights is a halloween event at universal studios orlando it's my favorite event of the year i say it's my favorite holiday amen it's I, every <laughs> yeah. year it's like a, it's like the thing that i spend the most money on it's like the I'm, only I'm actual right vacation i take I'm right there with you yeah <laughs> la- this year i went two week. Uh, well last year i went uh two separate weekends i went seven total nights it was amazing loved it so 2020 it was canceled and right. the day that it was canceled i got the idea to do a halloween horror nights themed online burlesque show yeah and i didn't want to do it unless i I didn't want to do it where it was like not as good as as an in-person show i only wanted to do it if i could give the audience something that they could only get from an online show yeah i wanted to give it something i wanted to try to take advantage of the format rather than seeing it as a detriment so what i and i i do video production as my my career it's my my background and yeah so I decided to pre-record acts and shoot them like music videos. So we have multiple locations, multiple camera angles, yeah, cool. kind of storylines, and yeah. each had like different themes. And um, I'm like getting goosebumps thinking about it because that was just such a great experience. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Actually. Yeah. yeah. And we had the MC live in between each act and oh, nice. introducing the pre-recorded act. And then the MC would interview each performer live after yeah. their act. It was great. It was a huge success. We made lots of money. Oh, cool. Uh, it was awesome. So in terms of the video production um, background that you have, um, how much does that, like, in, in terms of sort of a balance of, like, you know, how you make your living and stuff, how much do you do that? 
Is it like a, a like are you there like a nine to five situation? It is a nine. Well, it's somewhat of a nine to five. I work right. it from home and I manage all my own clients. And okay. I don't want to get too much into my day job stuff because I try to keep my worlds worlds very separate. Absolutely. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, it's my full time job. It's my day job. Right. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I know that there's like a, a traditionally um, there's been a, a side of burlesque which is like um, like political commentary and, and satire and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, has that ever been something that you've explored? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I don't know how political you'd like to get on this show. Um, how we can say whatever we want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so on the day of Trump's inauguration, we oh, did like a protest no, show. protest <laughs> <laughs> show, that's cool. Yeah, um, and it was just, you know, it was really more of a way for us to kind of get some feelings out. And yeah. it was like, this is your chance to really like express something on stage, whatever you want that to be, get rage out, get anger out. Um, you can guess what kind of political ideas I have. Um, sure. I was not happy that day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did an act to America by Ramstein. Right. And I used, I, I had um, I had sparklers on my pasties. Right. So <laughs> it was like... Oh no! I I I'm forgetting things now. I had um, sparklers in my hands, and I had flash cotton on my pasties. So basically, I, if I held the sparkler up to my pasty, it would like have like a little burst of flame. Oh, cool! Yeah. <laughs> so it was all about like explosions and violence and whatever. And it was yeah. kind of a ragey striptease. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you usually like around here? Which which venues um, do you play at? Like. The current home for my productions is the Library Speakeasy in downtown Lake Worth. Okay, yeah. we, we have been. We keep getting like I. I've been in conversation with the guy, and I, I still haven't booked a gig there. I still haven't even been there. It's awesome. Is it? Yeah, awesome. it's a cool spot. When they first opened a couple of years ago, I remember thinking, "Ooh, ooh, we should do a show here." Yeah. And then they expanded to the second room, so now they actually have a stage, and uh, oh, oh, it's nice. great. Our shows there are so much fun. Do you uh, do a like pay-to-get-in-on-the-door type of situation for those? The shows we've done there have been free entry for the right. audience. I think they do a two-drink minimum. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so um, when it comes down to... Okay, what am I talking about now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, when it comes to like punk and rockabilly this is something that i've been sort of trying to figure out what what are the links between that is it just an aesthetic is it just like because of all the pictures from the 50s of girls with the you know like tiki girls and stuff like that is it just is does it just cover like back in the day in the 50s did they used to have um like mixed bills with bands and 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 burlesque and stuff like that or is that a new thing I don't know about the history of that and i can only speculate on why it is the way it is but i would say you know there's a lot of there's a big crossover in like the pinup and burlesque communities. Right. I'm not really a pinup person. My style is a little bit more um I don't know how to describe my style, but it's not really pinup. Right. So I'm not really in like the pinup scene, but I have a lot of friends who are in burlesque and yeah. so they've booked me for shows at, you know, rockabilly events, car shows, vintage car shows, um also like the tattoo conventions and stuff that also sure. have rockabilly bands playing. Yeah. I think it's just that there's so much overlap in the types of people who do all these activities that it just kind of makes sense for it to sort of yeah. intermingle. Yeah, true. There some someone was um joking on online when I cuz I I reached out um online to see if anyone had any questions and someone was joking about like how are you going to pick up all this all the glitter <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious but I tell you what 
it must get everywhere. I know what glitter's like. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, do you have any secret techniques for getting rid of for getting glitter out of stuff? Oh man, this, you know this is actually something that we are very conscious of as performers. Right. Whenever a, a brand new performer starts. Doing gigs, yeah. they are usually not conscious of their glitter spread, and right. sometimes venues get very upset. Yeah. Sometimes they want to charge us fines and right. stuff. And it's just it's important when you're, you know, this is my advice to like new performers or any performers. It's important to know what the venue's glitter policy is, and that sounds like a joke, but it's the not. The fact that they even have a glitter policy. Well, is they hilarious. don't usually until they have burlesque there, then they have <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> so some venues actually say, you know, don't dump glitter on the stage because it just will be there forever some of these are totally cool with it because they're like yeah we're a venue we're gonna have glitter that's just how it, how it is but some venues have very strict like no glitter dumps no um you know no loose glitter right. and you just have to be aware of that and just be careful i usually do my makeup at home so i don't it's not really an issue i usually keep my glitter to myself right <laughs> yeah, sure sure um when i Mostly, I just wear glitter on my lips per- to perform, right. and I actually use like a glitter adhesive to keep it on there. So, gotcha. yeah, <laughs> it's funny. My uh, my art friends, um, being in the art world, I they they have a little saying, and they uh, they always say that that glitter is the herpes of the art world. I think <laughs> it just doesn't ever it just it just never goes away ever. <laughs> I know yeah. ever. I think that's my a daughter's Dimitri Martin fifteen, joke. and I'm probably still really? finding glitter from when she was like three. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a Dimitri Martin joke. I, I think that that's guy. a Dimitri Martin joke originally. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I love it. So ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It just never goes away. <laughs> uh, it does if you shower well enough. I mean, that's my experience. <laughs> so, um, do you have any? particular icons or heroes i already named rubber doll as kind of the person who i first saw on stage who i was like i want to do that yeah Yeah. she's and she's still active i actually booked her in my show last year which i was like a huge like accomplishment this is something (laughs) i wanted to know when uh, because we were saying before um you know like an act is typically like um like two songs Mm -hmm. how many acts are in a show it depends on the show. So right. my shows at library are like pop-up style. So right. it's um it's not like a full review with like one after the other after the other. It's kind of like one goes on, the MC talks a little bit, there's a little bit of a break, then the next one goes on. Um so that's four acts, four to five acts total for the show. For my big theater stage shows, it's usually anywhere between 8 to 10 total acts. Right. And each act is usually between 4 and 7 minutes long. Okay. Got it. And sometimes it's, you know, that many performers. Sometimes it's each performer performs twice and we have a smaller cast. just depends on the space and the the budget and all that stuff. Is there any uh, sort of unforeseen things we wouldn't realize sort of challenges about putting on a burlesque show? Is that like what what do you think your sort of biggest sort of stumbling blocks, things that you have to um, kind of figure out are when it comes to to doing that, mm. in the show. Do you remember ben that group? Give her less dancer now. Do you remember, <laughs> there was that group of guys who were doing it in Lake Worth. Oh yeah, the Hurley Burley guys. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was it. Yeah, I never saw them. Was it good? Oh, they were so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I miss those guys. I mean, yeah, I still yeah. hang out with a lot of them. That with those guys for, for, for a minute. Uh, yes, Lunsford. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. I'm still good friends with Patrick and Billy. Okay. Yeah, Billy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, when I because when I put that post up about questions to ask you he, he liked it oh yeah yeah, yeah. 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 totally uh, that's awesome yeah so anyway back to the, the mm-hmm. question i asked um yeah in terms of in terms of actually getting this thing 
um, like on stage? What what are the kind of challenges that you face? I think as a show producer, something that occurs behind the scenes that most people maybe don't realize is so prominent or deliberate is just curation of the show itself and just making sure that each act delivers something a little bit different, that each act is very high quality and still fits the theme. And just that there are, you know, diverse performers on stage. And when I say diverse, I mean all kinds of diversity. I mean ethnicity. I mean body type. I mean style of dance. I mean type of music. You know, sometimes we might have one genre of music for a show, but I want different tempos i want different moods sure every act can't be a level 10 of energy if you have that you're going to be exhausted after the first set um it needs to have slow songs and fast songs and higher energy songs and more slow burn acts and it just it's like a big puzzle that all has to fit together to make something whole do you do have you done them where there's like a a common thread like a storyline running through it I I haven't produced a show like that personally, but I've seen shows like that, and they are right. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Lola Vanella uh, and G's Louise. I think it's Lola's show. I think G's is also producing. I don't know if she produces it or not. In New Orleans, um, yeah. Lola Vanella has a show like that, and it tells cool. kind of the history of the sex workers and the brothels and, and everything in, in the city and like kind of how they helped build up the economy. It's so good. Oh, wow. Go yeah. see it if you're in New Orleans. It's at the Always Lounge. <laughs> Talking of... Um kind of like history of sex workers and stuff like that um i'm i was curious do you do you ever find um do you do you ever come into contact with people who have kind of a negative view of what you do and and has that ever caused any problems with like in terms of just uh trying to get anything done in life i've been very fortunate that it's not really ever been an obstacle for me but I also do, like I said, keep my worlds very separate. Right, my yeah. corporate clients don't know about my my stripper persona, you okay. know. Um, and it's not so much that I think I have to keep it a secret. It's more that some people don't enjoy striptease as a concept. Yeah. And that's okay. Not everybody has to like everything. And yeah. I don't ever want to put anyone in a position where they're uncomfortable with me because of something they don't approve of that I do. Yeah. Fair enough. So that's why I just kind of choose to keep it secret and not secret, but like I just keep it to myself unless it needs to be known. Yeah, for sure. This this kind of um butts into a, a uh like a a conversation that I don't think I'm necessarily um qualified to have, but but I'll touch <laughs> on a little bit, which is um like ha, like fe, feminine empowerment mm-hmm. and stripping and and you know because I, I know a lot of people i know people who fall on both sides of the argument of like you know is is it exploitative or is it empowering you mm-hmm. know what i mean and I mean, obviously, because you do you do this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure I know your view on the subject. <laughs> but um, like, uh, I guess my I don't really have a question. It's more just like, um, do you do you come across a, a people it, where you have to kind of exp- explain how is it, it is empowering or explain how it's fine and that it's you know that and also. Here's a question. Do you think do you think that do you think that there is a side to it that is exploitative and and how blurry is that line? I think it is 
a case-by-case thing. Okay. I think that it's not exploitative for me because I choose to do it. Sure. I think if you're being coerced into it in any way, then yeah, it's that's what exploitative means. Yeah. I think it's all about consent and intention. Right. Anybody who doesn't want to strip shouldn't strip. Anybody yeah. who doesn't want to go to a strip show shouldn't go to a strip show. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I don't ever want anyone to watch me strip if they don't if they didn't choose to. Yeah. Is the world of it as a whole exploitative? I say absolutely not. Right. I think that especially in burlesque club stripping is maybe I, I know I've heard stories of, you know, women who have partners who tell them you have to go strip to make some money for us or something. And that's just like abusive relationship stuff. Yeah. And that gets into a whole like world of, you know, suitcase pimps and porn. And, you know, there are people there are bad people in these industries who will exploit women, especially young women and men. It's not just women. Yeah, my wife makes me strip. So. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, exploitation exists in these yeah. industries, but that doesn't reflect on the industry itself, in my opinion. Right. I think it's more about the people acting within the industry. There's going to sure. be bad people in any industry. And there are people who are exploited in every industry. Yeah, absolutely. As far as it being feminine empowerment or whatever, yeah. I think it can be. I think it doesn't have to be to be legitimate and to be good. Right. For me, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just I want to turn you on and that's right, fine yeah. too. Right. And I think for audience members, for some of those audience members, it's extremely empowering, especially yeah. if you're in a group that's not usually represented as like sexy, whether you're plus size or whether you're uh, disabled or, you know, all these different things or whether you just like don't dance yeah. and you might see a performer who's not really dancing and still doing a great striptease. Yeah. You know, for those people, I've had people write to me after shows and say they felt extremely empowered. Excellent. But somebody else in the audience for that same show might just be going there to get his dick hard and that's fine too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm glad that um, I brought it up because I, even though I, the, the question was a little confusing. You know, I did want to kind of like, I did want to sort of broach that a little bit and talk about that because I know that, um, you know, if, for example, my mum was listening to this or something, she would be, <laughs> she'd be thinking about that a little bit. Uh -huh. So, you know, I think just hearing your point of view on the subject is, is interesting. You know? Yeah, it's really good to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think what we're going to do now is we're going to um, talk a little bit about our sponsors. Sounds good. We have uh, the first one is um it's oasis root carve bar and it's uh it's a place in jupiter um i go there sometimes it's a, a, a real cool spot um they uh they're a local jupiter uh carver place and you can get coffee in there you can get carver and um it it's really what he what jim tries to do in there is is keep it really just quality and simple there's a lot. A lot of the um, carver places have a million different types and, and and all this. That's not Jim's approach. His his approach is you know he has one really good carver and he has a really good tea and and he just sticks with that. Of course, you can you know you can have cream in it or or, or however you want to take it. But the idea is that it's just simple and high quality. And I think it really works. And it, there's a real nice sort of crowd of people in there. It's a really good vibe. They do poker nights in there and. Um, you should you should go and check it out. It's uh, it's on Indian Town Road and it's it in the plaza um, th that's just right next to Alternate A One A. Um, I I don't have the address on me right now. I should probably get there. Let's find it. It's um, but it's a cool place. I I've been going there ever ever since kind of um, the uh, beginning of the well, you know, when we were all allowed to start going out again in the pandemic and and um. 
And as someone who uh, doesn't drink, it's nice to have somewhere to go, you know, and just hang out and be with people. And uh, and it does fill some of that uh, kind of desire, hankering for... Uh, it does fill some of that uh, desire for just wanting to go and socialize it, it, in, in a situation that it's not a restaurant. You know, it, 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 it feels like a bar. It's a bar in every respect other than there's no booze there. And no drunk people, which is fabulous. Um, yeah, the address is uh, 185 uh, East Indian Town Road um, in Jupiter, Florida. Yeah, um, so go and check it out and, and uh, say hi to Jim and uh, tell him 561 Music sent you. Because uh, he's very kindly uh, sponsoring us, and we, you know, we we need sponsorship to be able to do this. It costs us money to put it on, so uh, we're very very appreciative to all our sponsors. Um, the next sponsor is uh, Handlebars Bar and Grill, which is a place that my father-in-law uh, reopened. It used to be called Judy's, and it's uh, on US One in Tequesta. Um, so Tequesta is just right north of Jupiter about a quarter of a mile north of Jupiter so if you're heading north on US 1 it comes up on your right it's a yellow building it's a biker bar um, I book the music there we do a bike night um, every second Thursday this Thursday we've got Moonshiners playing which is the guys from Spread the Dubs Outlaw Country side project it's their alter ego yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, yeah it's a, it's a cool spot you should go, come check it out I do a jam on the fourth Sunday of every month there as well which is open to anyone and actually it's been really fun. We've had a whole bunch of different people there. And what I forgot about jams is that they really are the kind of spawning ground for, for bands. Like um, I, I've been playing with some people up there and now I've started a project with them because I, I put it on and, and, uh, and these people came to, and jammed with me and now all of a sudden I'm doing a, a little side project with them. So, you know, if you want to be in a band, the best way to find other people is to go to a jam. It's, you know, it's, it's really great for that. And we do a little one at Handlebars. Come check it out. It's on the fourth uh, Sunday of every month from f- four to seven. And the, the beer's great there. The food's great there. And, uh, and you can see a million different cool bikes. There's always a ton of nice bikes out there. If bikes are your thing. And if bikes aren't your thing, it's cool too. You know, just come hang out with the bikers. All right. Um, We've got one more sponsor. Hector, you want to do this one? Yeah, sure. This is uh, Harmony Management Group, and this is uh, our good friend Mary. Uh, she does a lot of uh, office-type uh, offerings. Um, basically, she can do uh, a few hours of office help. Uh, she can do some basic office tasks, uh, organizing, um, filing, things like that. But she can also do uh, full-service business offerings. She's got bookkeeping, payroll, tax services, very important right now, tax services. Uh, if, in fact, if you uh, if you have a business and you have anyone that has actually done anything for you, I believe the deadline is January 31st to get the 1099s out to them. So yeah. definitely hit Mary up for that. So oh, That's why you were talking to me. That's why I was talking to you. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I want to pay my taxes. It's that I have to pay my taxes. I didn't realize. Okay, so hit you. Mary up for that. She does yeah. bookkeeping, uh, um, data entry, scheduling, Invoicing, um, just any any kind of office type type service. Um, uh, Mary at Harmony Management Group, she is absolutely amazing. She does so much for Killbillies with scheduling and things like that for us. And and uh, you know she's she's very involved in the music scene. scene. She helps a lot of people. And in fact, she just messaged us the other day that uh, one of our listeners just reached out to her um, and uh, a musician friend of ours and is uh, starting to uh, get some of her services um, for yeah. for his uh, music business. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Big up, Mary. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks everyone who sponsors this show. Yeah, um, definitely. It, it, it's the only way we could do it, and um, you know, it means that uh, 
like ev- all our plans that are coming up, like the festival and everything, you know, it, it all just comes down to us being able to keep doing this on a weekly basis. And the only way we can do that is with sponsors. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've, I've got a couple of um, questions left here that things I was thinking about. One was, um, what are there COVID precautions now when you, when you, when you do your shows and, and what are they? Well, we are in Florida, which is the lawless wasteland of the yeah. South. The yeah, wild, yeah. wild west. Um, some shows, yes. Some some shows, no. You know, it's just a venue by venue, case by case basis. Right. Okay. Some shows are requiring masks backstage and uh, some on stage, depending on what the stage is like. Um, some some not. It kind of just depends on the venue and the space and everything. Yeah. It's okay. when it, it's kind of a choose your level of comfort and risk thing which is unfortunate but that's just kind of how it goes yeah, right now i know how it well, is it's kind of like you were addressing the burlesque earlier though if you didn't feel comfortable don't go it's kind of the same thing i mean if yeah and i hate i feel like that's it, such a cop-out to say and i it, hate saying it but that's kind of where i'm at honestly yeah, well, it's kind of where yeah. the the whole world is that right yeah right now. i mean unfortunately but it is yeah. yeah i'm just so confused by the whole thing i'm you know i just had it and you know i think everyone's just <laughs> mm-hmm. had it actually mm-hmm. so you know at this point i'm just so over it's unbelievable yeah but <laughs> i don't think i know a person that hasn't had it at this yeah. point. So <laughs> i was like one of the last people i know who hadn't had it and then yeah. i got it last week <laughs> my daughter my daughter's had it twice oh you know what i take it back because i've had it and my wife's had it my daughter's had it twice but my son has like missed it twice. He's been in our house twice, and he's missed Damn. it both. Times. He's going to be one of the like the people that survives. I'm going to like starts I, the new age. I'm going to sell him. I'm going to sell him to science. They're going to dissect him and figure this whole thing out. He's clearly immune to it. So. Well, the good thing is I know exactly where I caught it because I was really careful. And then I went to a strip club right before New Year's Eve, and I'm sure that's where I caught it. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the other question, which I I can't believe I didn't ask earlier, but it's something we ask all the musicians, and it's quite a funny question to ask you: Is do you practice? I knew you were going <laughs> to. I knew you were going to ask that. I practice less than I should right. is the answer to that. Um, pra- practice in burlesque is interesting because I'm sure this is probably true for musicians too. I never quite know what an act is going to be until it hits the stage for the first time. Right. I think that that's not true for all performers. I, some performers choreograph things very meticulously and know exactly what they're doing at every second of their act. Yeah. But for me, until I have that audience feedback to tell me which moments work, which moments don't, I don't. It's not right. in its final form. Kind of like a stand-up almost. You've got to yeah. test it against the crowd. I would say burlesque and stand-up have a lot in common. Yeah. Probably yeah. more even than burlesque and music. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I know when stand-ups are working, they stuff out. They just play to small small audiences, don't mm-hmm. they? they just, it's no other way of doing it. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> usually I'll try to debut a new act on a smaller stage or at least in a place where I can kind of get intimate with the audience a little bit and gauge their reactions to moments and so, adjust accordingly. So that right. being said, do you have – when you work out an act and you're going to go do it for the first time – do you have, even if it's just in your head, um, kind of an out for certain situations like, hey, this isn't working. Let me do this now. <laughs> you know? Well, I have the, – the basic routine almost always stays the same from, from the debut to its final form. Okay. You know, I have certain amount of items that I'm taking off. Um, what might change is kind of how I approach each reveal. Like, um, you know, I, I have one of my first acts that I ever did is this kind of like gothy striptease. And I had this moment where I, I was wearing this long skirt and I would kind of like lift up my skirt really slowly and like tease the leg. And that moment wasn't quite hitting. I couldn't quite figure out why. Because I'm like, I'm doing this like slow, sexy striptease. Why am I using why am I losing the audience in that moment? And then one time 
I decided to pick one person in the audience and maintain eye contact with that person the whole time, right. and it just clicked, and all of a sudden it worked. Oh, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to do that from now on." Yeah. So you kind of learn as you go. You learn by trying things. But sure. I didn't change the actual reveal. Right. The choreography didn't change. It was just the like eye contact. The, the that energy, changed. like you figured out a way of exactly. like directing the energy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really interesting. I um, we've been working on that as a band actually. Just. Uh, presentation and the, giving off the right energy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And by we, he means me. Lately, that <laughs> it is me. Lately, lately though. we have been talking about that, but, but, but just because you made such a huge like U-turn with it, like we're going from like. So Hector at one point was uh, looking pissed off if his bass wasn't sounding good. But now I, I have a real. Po- I've been playing bass for like my entire life, and and I and I'm I'm old. So so I have I have an issue where I just can't hear certain tones. I just I can't. And so in certain situations, it just sounds like mud. It doesn't sound like any individual notes. It just sounds like mud. And so I get frustrated. And when I get frustrated, I have a bad habit of showing it. I get like I I'm like a little kid. I mm-hmm. like I like you know I get frowny and I get like. Like, you know, like I just want to kick a can down the mm-hmm. street, you know, like I just get upset. Um, so Ben called me out on it and that was fine because I am now conscious of it. And so now there has been a few times lately now where he's like, oh, your sound must be great tonight. And I'm like, oh, I can't hear shit. And he's like, oh, I didn't notice, you know, well, you I look happy. Like, I feel like you almost <laughs> called yourself out on it. I feel like it was when we were talking to Sons of a Tradesman and it all just kind of came up. A little up, bit. Yeah, you know? a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they, they made a comment, which probably translates to burlesque as well. I mean, pretty much any performance um, that... You know, it doesn't matter if you're playing to a crowd of 10,000 people or you're playing to one person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have that, played to one person. That, well, and if that person came out to and, – and that's another thing as, as a musician. You know, you're, you're set up. You get everything going and, whatever, and you're playing and there's like a bartender and two people at the bar. And you're like, son of a bitch. Like this is mm-hmm. going to suck the energy out of me. But you can't let it because that one or two people that's sitting at the bar, like they – they came out to have a good time, and mm-hmm. and it's not on them that there's nobody else there. So, right, exactly. so you have to put on that show, regardless if it's one person. Or, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where that translated to. Where if I can't hear the sound and I can't dial it in, I just keep trying to work through it, and you know, and, and try to do my best. And if I can't get the sound, I can't get the sound, and it is what it is. But mm-hmm. I, I try not to show it now. But yeah, yeah, I struggled with that for a really long time. You know, when it got beaten out of me was in Sonic Boom Six. Right, it was I was in a punk band called Sonic Boom Six in England in the 2000s. And um, like a scar punk band, and um, uh, we just played so many terrible venues, especially at the beginning. And our sound was always bad. And so, for the longest time after that, when I moved here and I started playing a cover band, it took me a really long time to to even care about wanting good sound because mm-hmm. I was so used to not hearing anything ever that like I almost preferred it. I was just <laughs> so used to it, you know. And so now, like now. I've been doing this here now for a long time, 10 years. And, 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 you know, now I like having nice sound, but, but, you know, for just all those years in a punk band, yeah. you just get used to just mm-hmm. having, you know, not even caring about the sound and it all being about the performance. And what you discover when, when you do that is that actually a lot of it is the performance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even some quite a lot of the time. It doesn't even matter what the band sounds like. As long oh, as yeah. you're putting on a good show, you know? Yeah. Like I went to, um, my friend is dating one of the dudes in Slipknot and got us like really nice really? seats awesome. for, yeah, yeah. Um, got us like really nice seats, nice seats for the Slipknot show. And like, I love Slipknot. I've been going to Slipknot shows since I was a teenager. Yeah. And I know like three of their songs. 
Yeah. But I just love their live shows because they're so good. They're so theatrical. They put on, they yes. have such showmanship and yeah. I'm like so into it. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's something that, you know, I feel like I should have uh, asked you and I'll ask you right now. Like what is, what, what, who are your favorite bands? What do you kind of oh, stuff do you listen to? I listen to, lately I listen to a lot of like uh, kind of electronica lounge, like Massive Attack and oh, like yeah. Tricky, like yeah. that kind of. My brother lives in Bristol. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I also listen to a lot of hip hop. Um, yeah, cool. I listen to. I it used to be like a big metal head. Yeah. And Black Sabbath is still my favorite band of all time, and always will be, most likely. Yeah, cool. Respect. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You like trip hop. I, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, don't often meet people who, who listen to that stuff, and that, I, I love it as well. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, Port Said a Massive Attack and Tricky, and <sighs> yes, yeah. I my actually new- for one of my bir- uh, for my birthday one year, um, an ex girlfriend of mine took me to Tricky and. <sighs> And, and she knew him, and we got to go backstage. I got oh, to chat to him. Oh, wow. That was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Awesome. Yeah, can yeah. I, can, let me meet her. I know. <laughs> she sounds cool. <laughs> they were having this, um, they were having this, uh, like, they had a big, it was just wall-to-wall, like, weed smoke in there. Mm-hmm. And they had this big pot of idle stew. They'd brought their own cooker, and they were just cooking this huge pot of stew. And they didn't have anything on the rider or anything. They are having this super healthy, like, <laughs> kind of, like, Rastafarian stew. I awesome. love that. That's yeah, cool. yeah. so cool. <laughs> so, yeah, they're super cool guys. Oh. <sighs> Um, yes. I guess the last couple of questions is one is um, where, do you, where do you see Burles going? Do you think it has a, a bright future? I think so. Yeah. I think um, as as we come out of the pandemic um, and as we approach the 100 year anniversary of prohibition repeal. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling and it being the 20s again. Yeah. I have <laughs> yeah, a feeling there are going to be lots of 20s parties, repeal parties. Um, honestly, so when the movie Burlesque came out, like nine or ten years ago or something, maybe not even that long ago, maybe less than that. I don't even know when it came out. Anyway, when that movie came out, the Burlesque community was like, fuck that movie. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's like such a bad representation of what we do. I read that earlier today, yeah. But I think it helped us more than hurt us because it right. put that aesthetic in people's minds again in, in you know, mainstream pop culture. It's an awareness. Yeah. Awareness. Any publicity yeah. is good publicity type situation. 100%. It happened a little bit too when Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby movie came out. Yeah. Um, you know, I think having things like that happen in pop culture that put that vintage aesthetic in people's minds helps. Yeah. Um, even the show Mad Men helped. Yeah. Um, we oh, haven't yeah. had one of those in, in a little while now, so yeah. I think we could use another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think Burlesque is going to just keep getting bigger. I think it's gotten bigger since I first started, for sure. So. Yeah. You know, it's funny you should say that because it, that really relates to. Um, I was reading um, a, an interview with the guys from Mumford and Sons who said that they got into country basically because of Oh Brother Where Are I? I was going to say it, was, it must have been Oh Brother Where Are yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, and so that whole folk explosion came from a movie, basically. True. That yeah. must have been how all of the kind of like folk punk stuff happened in like the 2010s. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's yeah, so it's, true, though. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, yeah, but, and, and I was the same. When I watched that movie, I was like, oh, I guess I like country. I didn't realize I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Walk the Line did that for a lot of people, too. Yeah. It was a totally. few years before. Yeah. And the the last thing is, um, when are you playing next? When can people come and see you? I have a show next week on Thursday the 20th right. at the library, at the library speakeasy uh, yeah, in Lake cool. Worth. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a free show. Um, it's it's just open seating, so just show up. You don't have to get a ticket or anything. Yeah. It's a really, really, really fun place for a show because it's intimate. It's um, It's a small room, and it feels 
like a secret or something. Yeah, I got you. It's like sexy in there. Yeah, cool. I love like it. A speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's also a very special show. Um, we have Big Lux, who's going to be our MC, and he's playing live music for our acts as well. Right. Um, he's a hip hop violinist. He splits his time between uh, New England and South Florida, and he'll be here for that. And then I booked Jezebel Red. Who anybody from Lake Worth knows Jezebel Red because she used to own Revelry, oh, okay. and uh, cool. also did shows at, at Revelry, and also performs at all the Fetish Factory events, and is just all over the place and amazing. And then we also have another uh, traveling uh, performer, Zia Sandia, who's going to be our stage kitten for the night. Oh, awesome! Yeah, good stuff. It's going to be a damn good show. It's nine p.m. on Thursday, the twentieth of January. Have we got a show that day? Maybe we should go check it out. Probably Come. not because it's a Thursday. We yeah. don't usually do shows on Thursdays. We got bumped because the the venue's going to be closed on that Friday. Um, we so. probably don't. You might, but we yeah, we don't. don't. We don't come. We just got like this weird phone call that we all have to get together with a record label. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. We got to do that, but that's way earlier in the day, doesn't matter. Yeah, but um, and then we got band practice, but it'll be way before that too. Yeah, exactly. Like four o'clock. Yeah, or we should go. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is. Um, when you were saying that you've done stuff with uh, DJs and bands before, it'd be mm-hmm. fun to try and do something where we played music. I don't know, maybe we could, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let me know what you got in mind. Do some kind of like, you know, uh, well, like fo- be, folky kind of kind of banjoy kind of rednecky inspired type one thing. That I could be know. fun. Yeah. Anyway, um, what have we got coming up, Hector? We've got um, we've got Brick and Barrel on Friday night. Yep. Correct, uh, I believe. So, um, is that what time is that? Nine that o'clock? is nine to nine midnight. To midnight yeah. And yeah, Brick and Barrel is a cool spot. If you've never been there, it's in Abacoa. It's great food, and it's where Rooney's used to be. And uh, and it's, it, it's great. They they do like really great whiskey cocktails if that's your thing. And uh, you should come S- and check it out. Saturday we have a really fun show. Pure cider from two to five. Yeah, it's called Kill the Kegs. It's yeah. uh, Ben Prestige is playing after us. Who yeah. is a world class multi-instrumentalist and he, he's just a guy that um, if you've never seen him you got to come and see him Absolutely. you got to come and see him on, on Saturday Absolutely. yeah yeah and then we just picked up a last minute show um, for Connolly's at 9pm on Saturday night so, oh, yeah, so we're, right. we're actually playing twice on Saturday yeah yeah and then I'm playing solo um, from 11.30 to 3.30 at a place called Cork in Hope Sound on Sunday busy um, yeah man it's yeah. a busy weekend thank you God, because it was so, so like <laughs> bleak was, over the Christmas and then a little COVID. Bit. I'm broke, man. I got to get out there playing. Yeah, yeah, it just the holidays, man. It seems like everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. <laughs> totally, yeah, but Cork is a nice place. It's um K O R K. It's a it's just this chill bar up in Hope Sound, and it it's like it's perfect for brunch if you're a brunching type of person. Cork is Cork is your spot. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so do you have any uh, contact or social media stuff that you want to get out there? Yeah. So the all my socials are at rubytesla.com. Um, you know, it's all Ruby Tesla. You can pretty much search Ruby Tesla anywhere and find me. Yeah. Um, but the best way to get in touch if you're looking to book burlesque for an event, for a, a bar show, theater show, a private party, a divorce party, a wedding party, <laughs> a, a bachelor party, bachelorette party, birthday party, whatever you want, uh, just go to rubytesla.com and all the contact info is there. Great. Oh, man, I just turned 50. I should have done a burlesque show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you Thanks really, for having me. You really 
made it into something. It was like, oh no, we're going to be scrabbling for someone. It's not going to work out. But as soon as you were like the first or second person who said you could do it, I was like, yep, okay, I'm doing that. I deleted well, the post it, immediately. <laughs> well, it's funny because it, it, it popped up. You know, I saw your post and then I saw you comment on it and then I immediately text Ben. I'm like, do it. Let's uh-huh. do yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Forget yeah. it. Let's just do it. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. so flattered. So, yeah. Another thing that's good for the ego. <laughs> All right, and so for those of you that are listening to the podcast, get over to our YouTube channel um, because uh, uh, Ruby has shared some videos with us and we're going to uh, splice some of those in here at the end right now. Take a better scene. This is what we're doing. Whoa.